0: It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's stupid such cow. a
1: fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes.
0: Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Soci. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which we'll update someday at filmsociology.tumblr.com. Uh, I'm not Kobe Slagle. He should be here eventually, but apparently work got in the way. But sitting in studio with me, uh, we should. this will be the first, hopefully, full-forced show of 2016, <laughs> because last week it was me solo, but, uh, and I can't find the clip, so Lawrence,
1: Lawrence, Lawrence Arabia. Arabia.
0: Mike Perry is in studio with me. <laughs> Happy Thank New you, Year, Mike.
1: Happy New Year, Matthew. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm doing okay. We have... Uh, Now, this is January, so we are in the midst of grown-up movie season. Mm -hmm. The Academy Awards are going to be announced. The nominations will be announced on Thursday, so next week's show is pretty much taken care of.
1: Cool. I've Uh, tried to get a jump on on my Oscar bait watching.
0: There you go. And how's that going?
1: Doing pretty well. We've seen Trumbo and Joy and Brooklyn and, uh, uh, well, Star Wars, but I don't expect that to get a whole lot of... More bait.
0: technical words, I bet. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, there's that. And uh, and a little later on, yes, I will be the last critic on Earth that does his best and worst of 2015 because it's already almost 10 days into the new year. But I, I wanted to share it with, with people in studio, so there's that. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, we have we have not one but two new films opening in Indianapolis this weekend. And uh, both hopefully will be in discussions next week. One more than the other, probably. Um, but the first one we'll talk about is the... The Revenant, and this is uh, the latest film from Alejandro Iniritu, hope I'm saying that right, of course the director of Birdman from last year, (laughs) and uh, this is a 19th century fur tracker revenge story with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. Um, DiCaprio plays a trapper who has a, a Native American son, uh, along the way, while traveling, he is butting heads with Tom Hardy, Southern-accented Tom Hardy. This time, uh-huh. always, always <laughs> a fascinating guy to watch.
1: What is his real accent, anyway? I he's English. Forgetting. No, he's
0: English. Okay, but uh, but we'll get to Hardy in a little bit. Uh, but of course, he is. He uh, DiCaprio's character is. You know, it suffers a horrendous accident and is kind of left for dead, especially at the hands of the Tom Hardy character. And, and that's maybe the first not even hour of the film. And then you have two hours and 35 minutes, uh, two hour and 35 minute film. The last hour and a half is DiCaprio ready to give revenge in a mm-hmm. slow paced kind of, although beautifully shot way. Um, have you seen? Have you seen the trailer? For I've this? seen the trailer. Yeah, it it looks stunning, it, and it looks great from start to finish.
1: It looks. Cold. I would suggest you take a blanket <laughs> with you to the theater. Yeah. Because you'll get some contact freezing going on. I think, Man, especially it, it just, now, it just looks it, uncomfortable.
0: It does. And 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 I remember we were talking uh, the IFJA, the Indiana Film Journalists Association, and 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 people make fun of DiCaprio because it seems like he's he's Oscar begging. I think he just likes to do challenging stuff. Yeah. And uh, there are times it's not a performance uh, performance. It's an endurance test of mm-hmm. what he has to go through. But literally being buried alive and. Crawling out of the grave and crawling some more and getting his strength back and there's a probably the best use of CG this year, involved and it's not really a spoiler but uh, but DiCaprio's character is attacked by a bear, and it's really really hard to watch in a in a and and that's a great compliment i mean it is it's really hard to watch all
1: all rumors of of, of what goes on in that scene yeah
0: i don't buy into that and and really and this is me saying this get your mind out that's that's (laughs) that's not cool that is not cool at all okay um so anyway there there is that part of it i think this is probably my best my favorite cg moment Since Sense and Sensibility, when uh, Ang Lee wanted more clouds in the sky. Now, that's how you use CG. Not kidding. Because when you think of CG, you think, you know, giant monsters and cities exploding and all this. And when Ang Lee made Sense and Sensibility 20 years ago, he wanted more clouds. It's amazing like that.
1: that that's where we are you know, with technology in this industry. Not enough clouds. Ought, we'll add them.
0: Post. Yeah, we'll add them in post. So, so, well, and there's day for night shots, and and mm-hmm. yeah, you, as you see the trailer, and it's throughout the film. There's you know there's a lot of blues and greys and. You know, DiCaprio's character living off the land and living by fire and brimstone. I mean, it's... So it's know. the
1: feel-good movie of the young year.
0: <laughs> um, I, I, when he gets in here, he will, I'll have to, to verify this, uh, but uh, his, Kobe's wonderful wife, fair sweet Bianca, I guess when, when seeing the trailer said, this looks dirty. <laughs> and and I, had to, I had to tell Kobe to tell Bianca, someday I'll tell her directly, don't use that word. Yeah, Unwashed, maybe? Unkempt? Possibly, but but don't say, dirty. That's a, it's like in our house the uh, the child watches grown up movies because if you say your daughter watches adult movies, movies that that's that's, that's bad.
1: That, that'll get you a hearing. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's that's not good.
0: So anyway, um, the it's funny I kind of contradicted myself last week with the uh, Kurt Russell Western Bone Tomahawk. That's the other Western where he has the ridiculous facial uh-huh. hair, the cooley ridiculous facial hair. And what I remember and I, I kinda of feel the same way about the Revenant. Um, it could be it could be shorter. I mean, you could probably lop a good forty five minutes off the Revenant. And and I've said I said last week that it is it's a slow paced film, but I don't think it's a slow film. That being said, I still think both films should have been shorter. Um <laughs> uh, I guess like I guess it, it didn't wear me out. It didn't I it, I don't think the film wore out my welcome. Um You know, it's compared to Birdman, where it is you know supposed to be like one long Mm tracking. There are some long tracking shots in this, not one giant continuous tracking shot, but but watching DiCaprio go down some rapids and get into sort of arrow, you know, dodging arrows and um, fighting off, yeah, a bear. There's even a scene with some buffalo. um, I'm I'm assuming CG buffalo, right? So, um. it it could have been it probably could have been tighter but i didn't mind taking the trip overall yeah it's it, it it's an endurance test it is cold it is unkempt but but I, I I liked it. I didn't love it, but I felt I, I liked it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, we're gonna try to check it out in the next couple of weeks. But uh, gotta get to the hateful eight hate first. So that's that's my Sunday. Obviously, yeah, I don't know if that would be a double feature. That's no. that's a
0: five and a half hours. Yeah. Of, no thanks. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. Anyway, I'd say go check it out. Ben Kingsley's probably screaming. Um, <laughs> what do you, I, I want to make sure he doesn't get lost in the shuffle? And and uh, but good year, good 2015 for Tom Hardy. Yeah. Between doing what was basically a silent performance in Mad Max: Fury Road and and not having any qualms about it, mm-hmm. and you know, kudos to him. Um, the film Legend, which I don't even think played here, where he plays uh, twins, the Cray brothers, the English gangster film. I,
1: I want to say it was at Keystone Arts for like a week.
0: Okay, so but it, it, but that came and went at the same time, and in this one he plays the villain. He plays a Southern God speaking uh, fur trapper, and he's just fascinating to watch. I mean, with the ex- I would say with the exception of. There was the um CIA Romantic Triangle Comedy This Means War mm-hmm. you remember with Chris yeah. Pine and Reese Witherspoon. He really hasn't made I mean he he's all of his choices have been interesting and he is at at the very least been interesting to watch regardless of the outcome of the overall film. Oh,
1: sure. One of my favorite movies is, of his is uh uh Lawless. Oh yeah, yes. Yep, where he I I he
0: sounded like Tim Blake
1: Nelson's much stronger brother. Yeah. I mean, he says very little throughout the entire movie, but his actions speak volumes and and he just takes control of any movie he, he
0: does Locke is great of course you know we, uh, most most people know him as bane um he was great in Warrior and, but he was
1: pretty much unrecognizable throughout the, the majority of the film yep if you didn't know it was Tom Hardy you wouldn't know it was Tom
0: Hardy exactly so it anyway and he, and he he gets some fun being uh being a southern bad guy in in the revenant so uh go go check that out now the other film which I actually like more than Revenant and this is a film that is, uh sneak preview made my top 10 is Anomalisa from Charlie mm-hmm. Kaufman, who, of course, is the gentleman that gave us Being John Malkovich and... Adaptation. Uh, adaptations, Connect the D New York. And it's a story about... Um, it's set in Cincinnati, and it is a, about a gentleman of kind of a 50-something um, customer service guru who is voiced by David Thewis, one of our favorite mm-hmm. English that guys, and... uh there's only two other voices involved: uh, an admirer of his played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, he's at the same hotel, he's about ready to do a speaking uh, engagement for a convention, and he comes across a couple of uh, love-struck fans of his, of his work, and one of them is voiced, the, the dowry of uh, half of the duo, uh, voiced by Jennifer Jason Lee. and then every other character in the film is voiced by Tom Noonan. Find that gentleman, <laughs> you fans of Blade or of Manhunter and others. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the other thing you should know, it of course is it's um, marionette and stop motion animate. Oh, stop it's a motion. combination. It is a combination. Nice. So, and your uh, first thought, you're like, why are they making it? and stop-motion animation puppetry with this film. Well, it, it takes about, I would say, maybe 20 minutes before you understand why it is. At first, it's, at first, it seems like a novelty, the fact that they could do this. But as time goes on, there's a few moments in the film um, of involving the human head, I should say, and the Tom Noonan thing. I guess the, the point was, is that for the, the David Thewis' character, everybody else sounds the same. Which, which, in now looking back, of course makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there are there are moments of human intimacy. There is, you know, the male character who is showering and and has trouble putting on clothes. There is a love scene between the two people. I would say tonality from a from a tone standpoint, the complete opposite of the love scene from Team America. <laughs> So, so if you thought that was outlandish, <laughs> this is the more mature version of
1: that scene. But yet still mature. But still and mature. I'm talking to you, the father who brought his two kids in to see Team America, you know, showing us Wow. Alexander, and left about, oh, five minutes later. Didn't
0: know. Just saw the puppets, right? Just
1: saw the puppets. Must be fine for the kids.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I... Mm, there, uh, I, I think I flip-flop on this, I'm sure. But there, there are times, of course, as a film critic, I love going into a film not knowing anything about it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of rare these days. So I guess it's great for me that I can sit down a, a couple times a year and say, I have no idea what's going to happen. You folks probably
1: shouldn't, <laughs>
0: <laughs> unless if you're as adventurous as I am, that's mm-hmm. great. But I will say, if you have kids,
1: look it up. Just
0: just look it up a little bit.
1: Moving, movies are rated for a reason. No matter how
0: flawed the system is. But, yeah, so, there, so, there is. You know,
1: even if it looks like you know, Tinkerbell meets Ariel, check the rating. Because <laughs> you never you, uh, know what, the, you, what it could be. You've
0: come across a title like this that we should know no, about? No no no, 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 no. And don't look it up online, no. especially at work. Um, <laughs> and, by the way, if if, the, teen, yeah, if the, uh, the young person behind the counter at the box office wrinkles their nose a little bit, Take as a hint. Take yeah. that as a hint. So anyway, it, it, it this is a really lovely, lovingly intimate relationship story, that as, as like I said, as you find out over time, um, why it's done in this style. I think it probably it would still be a really well done film if it was live action, but because of the the you know handful of moments that you can get away with animation and and uh, uh, and marionettes. Um, it it's really something that, and it it's just off kilter enough because it's Charlie Kaufman, so it is not your run of the mill rom com or romantic drama. Uh, but but and really nice vocal work from everybody. I think we you know we were talking I was talking last week that. um uh, I guess if there was a comeback of the comeback player of the year, and and really she never went away, that's Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yeah, I'd like to ask you. I mean, she uh, has. She's got so, two movies
1: out now. It,
0: it, are we going to be seeing more from her? She, I don't know. She has so much fun with what happens to her character in The Hateful Eight, and. Kind of playing and and th- and then playing this very insecure, slightly doughy and and kind of introverted about her appearance uh, in in, in Lisa. I mean, it's a really nice contrast. And and Jennifer Jason Leigh is another one that you know she picks she picks projects that are interesting, no matter how big or how small they are. You know, she's never really done the romantic comedy route. She's never really done the. I mean, I guess her biggest blockbuster is Single White Female. If yeah. you you know, um, she. I she is always interesting, even if the film
1: itself is not. I think the last major thing I, I remember seeing her in was Road to Perdition.
0: Yeah, I was. I was trying to think back, and it was you know Road to Perdition was the one. She also co-directed with Alan Cumming the Anniversary Party, which was a, a a low budget ensemble with a really solid cast. But she she's just making what she wants to make. So anyway, it, but from a I guess from a nerd standpoint, who you know we've enjoyed her work all the way back to Fast Times Original yep. High, and knowing uh, the the uh, the movie family that she came from, acting family that she came from, um, it's just nice to see her in the spotlight doing doing these two films. And yeah, wait till you see her in Hateful Eight. <laughs> it's it's a it's a thing. I'll bring
1: you a full report.
0: Well, I we expect that. And and by the way, the, I, I don't know. It, it, it we talked about it, but the child and I. You know, she loves cosplay, and I, I occasionally try to come up with ideas for what to do if I had to go with her. Dad-daughter stuff, which you know every child in the world rolls their eyes at. Like The first suggestion I ever brought up was uh, Big Daddy and Hit Girl from Kick-Ass, and she, she didn't <laughs> care for that. She did like the idea of us going as Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Leigh in The Hateful Eight. Well, there you go. Except I have to grow the facial hair, and I don't think Mrs. Soce would like that. Anyway, um so yeah, those those are the, the the two of the films that are opening this weekend so you can still get to grown-up movie season. I bet with the Academy Awards, some smaller films that deserve higher praise and a wider audience will soon be trickling down to our fair city. So, um uh, Mike, what what film uh, you mentioned a couple of the films that you've watched recently? Um uh,
1: what else have you been catching up with? Well, uh <clears throat> during the holidays frankly I, I i didn't get out to nearly as many movies as as i had planned to I was hoping to get to the theater at least every other day while i was off and uh uh the holidays being the holidays you know that didn't happen but uh uh like so we we did start our our run towards the academy awards i tr- i try to make a point of seeing every nominated film at least mm-hmm. so uh so we we made a point of, of spending a lot of time at the art theater so uh uh we really loved trumbo and I, I hope that at least uh, gets Ryan Cranston an Oscar nod.
0: More than likely, probably Cranston. I I really enjoyed the film, and partly because I knew the story. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, the the one setback, and it's not really a setback, is it's a biopic. I mean, it's it's not really a biopic. It's a portion of a biopic, but right. it does have a similar historical arc. But yeah, Trumbo. Yeah, Cranston's really, really good in it. And that. if
1: you and if you want some some more backstory on Trumbo. American Experience did a great bio yeah. uh, episode on him,
0: and there's there's a really good uh, there was a really good documentary that was in f- films, gosh, uh, almost ten years ago. But yeah, there's there's plenty out there. So hopefully this film will make you go and do more research on him. Yeah.
1: And uh, we were really impressed with Brooklyn. Uh, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But uh, uh, okay, let me let me see if I can g- get her name. Shusha Sasha Ronan. Yeah, Sasha. No, Sasha. you you got. Such- yeah, so a... long as we're not saying the girl from Atonement, right? Which, which is what we've been doing for
0: years.
1: Um, um, just an incredible performance by her. I mean, it's it, it's so it, it it's a minimal performance, but she brings so much heart to it mm-hmm. uh, that you know you, you fall in love with her from the beginning of the movie, and it she she keeps you in love with her right through the end of it. I I told a certain producer here because
0: I know his lovely wife would died would love to see Brooklyn. In fact, I think I may have emailed her the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think this is one, I think, e- husbands and boyfriends, this is one you can take for the team. Yep. Um, if it's her turn, you could do a lot worse. I mean, it's a beautifully made, simply made uh, motion picture. Really, yeah, really nice performances across the board. And, and, you know, all landladies should be Julie Walters. Right. And then last weekend we, we checked out Joy uh watched that for the second time with my family. The the girl
1: the, the ladies of the house really really loved the the girl empowerment. Yep. And um uh, my wife is, is a big fan of the home shopping network, so she was right <laughs> on top of all that. And and the other These, night and the other night Joy was on pushing those mops. It's, still. Oh really to this day. To this day. It's and, all about the hands. And uh I I I so I that that kind of locked me in for a little while. I was watching her do all wow. this pitching. Wow. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence nailed her, just nailed her. I mean, performance-wise. Yes, performance-wise. <laughs> no.
0: How how old is this woman now? Speaking how, of Amy uh, Schumer, uh, uh, no, 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 no how, she's how old is she now? The uh, the real life uh, mid thirties. Mid thirties. Okay, so this isn't that far away.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's, it's all in the hands. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just just great performances, and even though he's not in the movie much, Bradley Cooper, I thought brought a lot of it mm. and and you if if the movie works for you you will you will spend the entire movie wanting to slap the crap out of every member of her family. <laughs> we
0: we've also reached an age that that Virginia Madsen could be somebody's mother. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of with the giant with the giant glasses the watching. Gi- oh, oh, and, oh, she,
1: she did a great job in that part.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. And uh and by the way, uh, little he, David O'Russell has nice little moments where he's kind of just kind of but there's a few moments of soap opera acting, hysterical soap opera acting, oh, which yeah. has Susan Lucci and Donna Mills. Uh, And and I know they're soap opera
1: actors. My wife was pointing them out to me. He's he's on General Hospital. (laughs) And
0: seeing them, seeing these people, because the Virginia Madsen character, Jennifer Lawrence's mother, she's not bedridden. She's just paranoid against the—she's just afraid of the entire planet. Yeah. And so she stays in bed and watches soap operas. And it's the reading the cue cards off to the side while while this is happening on live television. It, It is a special kind of
1: acting. Yeah. Uh, but but very cool movie. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm waiting for their next team up with uh, David O'Russell Russell, Russell yeah. and Lawrence and Cooper and Darrow. Yeah, give me another one.
0: Sure, because you can, because they can. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. I I, I, have, I I'm name dropping. Um, Robert Irvine. I, I the last mm-hmm. time I watched a shopping channel was because he was hawking. Uh, I believe his juicer. And I I have yet to hear from him to see if he has seen Joy and what he thought of it because he's been on that to
1: that end to to a certain degree. I have his knife sharpener and he owes me 10 bucks.
0: Wow. wow, I'm not moving <laughs> on.
1: Oh, and Melissa Melissa Rivers plays her
0: mom. Oh and, yeah, and that's yeah, cute. that 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 was a nice touch. I that's thought. nice too, because I I normally think she's an insufferable human being, but nice <laughs> nice touch playing your mom. Yeah. Um. All right. You know. Um. Actually, let's we'll get quickly to the DVD and Blu-ray titles, and then I'll I'll, I'll announce my top ten because I know you're all dying for it. Um. New on DVD and Blu-ray this week, or, and it's funny because I got a, a, screen, a couple of screeners of these and I finally got to them. But one of them, it's, I'm glad you're here, Mike, because one of your girls is in it, uh, Sicario. Yep. With everyone's favorite FBI agent
1: Emily Blunt, Have, haven't seen it yet, but plan to watch it on it's, demand. Here. It's
0: from the director of Prisoner, uh, Josh Brolin, and Benicio del Toro are in this as well. And she plays a she plays a local um, local agent who winds up getting involved with a uh, a national sting operation involving the bo- the Arizona border. Um, Kind of being led in the dark by the likes of Josh Brolin and Denise, Benicio del Toro,
1: who uh, just looks like darkness incarnate, doesn't he?
0: Both of them, really, in this one. But yeah, uh, especially Del Toro. Uh, but but uh, you know, she wants to do the right thing. She wants obviously to uh, to protect and to serve. And as she gets further, deeper and deeper into this investigation. The methods get mercurier. Mercury? Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> muddy, muddy. More and more muddied. <laughs> God, we, we make up words here at NPR. Uh, but it becomes more and more cloudy and more and more gray as to what's right and what's wrong. And are we really doing this for the good of the cause? Um, not, not a date film. I would say watch a. You know, watch Modern Family to cleanse your palate <laughs> afterwards. It it is a bit of a pessimistic outlook, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's um, Roger Deakins, the great cinematographer, who had, I believe worked with this director on Prisoners. I mean, it's it's pretty tense and looks cool. Good performances. Yes, Emily Blunt can can point a gun and, oh, and yeah. do all that. So there's there was nothing wrong with that at all.
1: She can go from being the the, uh, into the woods, the, the to, nasty bitch to the 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 sweetheart of of uh, oh god what into sunshine cleaning she oh, was sunshine she was cleaning yeah and and then now she's a she's a uh, she's bad mother with a gun
0: <laughs> yep so that is out there uh, also out a film that well if you've seen the documentary Man on Wire you don't need to see the Robert Zemeckis film The Walk um, with Joseph Gordon Levitt based on the story, the true life story, of a gentleman from France who, whose big claim to fame was t- walking a tightrope between the Twin Towers in 1973. Man on Wire is a really fascinating documentary that is shot like a heist film, mm-hmm. and you get that in the last third of this film. It looks fine; they shot it, I believe, specifically in three D. Joseph Gordon-Levitt does a fine job. Um, this is a really energetic guy. This guy and Alejandro Jodorowsky should get a condo together and talk because <laughs> they're old and crazy and fun. Uh, ben Kingsley is in this film as well, uh, but it's you know if you know nothing about this story, I guess you know you'll probably have a good time with it. But I would really highly recommend watching uh, Man on Wire instead. Right. And then also out <laughs> a film that we've said is it's M Night Shyamalan's best film in a while, but I guess it's not really saying a whole hell of a lot you with set
1: that bar low enough. Boy. Well, The
0: Visit, and this is yeah. a. a, a his What I did like was his treatment of the found footage uh, genre. Yeah. Where we have uh, two kids, uh, one who's constantly filming everything, so m- maybe more Cloverfeld than uh, than Blair Witch. Um, and they go to visit their grandparents, who they hadn't seen in a long, long time. And as the visit, uh-huh, as the as the visitation time keeps getting longer and longer, the parents, the grandparents just start acting stranger and stranger. And And kudos to the lady, because she mm-hmm. has a... Bearing performance in in a couple of different ways, and what happens to the character, um, it, it it's a pretty daunting thing to do, and I think kudos to to her for yeah. being able to pull this off. Uh, I, I I think I enjoyed it a little more than you did, and but, but yeah, it's 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 still better than Airbender and Lady yeah. in the Water and the Happening.
1: I, I'll I'll slide this one in between On bell curve. the Village, and Lady in the Water.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's anyway that's out there. Oh, and uh. Eli Roth's Green Inferno is on DVD and Blu-ray if you need to see that. All right, moving on. Uh,
1: (laughs) Need is a a strong
0: word. I know there is. And also, oh, a couple older titles of note. The Hotel New Hampshire Hmm. with uh, Jodie Foster and Rob Lowe, directed by George Roy Hill. Uh, Anytime there's a Ken Russell film on Blu-ray, I think that's a means to celebrate his biopic Valentino starring Rudolf Nureyev bizarre biopic not as not as bizarre as as listomania but um you know norea when it comes to acting he's a great he was a great dancer <laughs> um but you have you have carol Kane and uh mm-hmm. see um seymour cassell is in it and it, it's just an intriguing look at the excess of actors of the silent era
1: i was gonna say that's a movie that i always considered was more about the era itself than Really? Than, yeah. Than kind
0: of. Oh, uh, Michelle Phillips. Oh, Michelle yes. Phillips is yeah. in this. So, um, from 1962, Robert Mitchum and Shirley MacLaine and Two for the Seesaw, which I, I it seems like that's, that's on TCM like every other day. <laughs> so anyway, th- those those are some of the pictures that are out on uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. And
1: I've got my pre-order in for The Martian should be delivered next week.
0: Very good. I I know that should be coming out for that. Um, okay, let's get to my best and my worst, and I won't take take a whole lot of time on this, but. Uh, but my top ten, and really, it's it's kind of the first two or three are kind of solid, and as I keep looking at the other seven, they, these could just go anywhere. Um, good year, enjoyed it. Uh, of course, I think every year is a good year when it comes to films. If there's, if you look at the films that made your runner-up list, you're for me the honorable mention films like uh, The Hateful Eight and a couple others. I'm like, wow, that didn't make it. So anyway, here here's my top ten. Number ten, the documentary Amy about Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Brooklyn. Yeah. Number eight, Anomalisa. Number seven, and it has not come to town yet, So, but it should hopefully be here in the next couple of weeks, 45 years. Great performances by Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtenay. Uh, number six, Mr. Holmes. Number five, Mistress America. Noah Bomback, way to go, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> uh, number four, The End of the Tour. Jesse Eisenberg and Jason okay. Siegel. Hopefully, Jason Siegel will get a nomination for this. Mm-hmm. Number three, Room. Brie Larson mm-hmm. should get a nomination As for it. As opposed to the Room. the Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Room. No, don't, don't oh, do sorry. sugar. Uh, number two, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> to, yeah. Okay. To, to borrow, hey, Skyfall was number two a couple of years back because to, to steal a line from Matt Johnson, you know, movies are supposed to be fun, too. And uh, Mad Max was the most fun I had at a movie all okay, year. fair enough. And my number one film of 2015, Spotlight. Great, yeah. great, great ensemble. Movie. And and uh, Chris Lloyd from the Film Me Half and others have turned me around. It's a better journalism. It's the best film about journalism, even better than All the President's Men.
1: I was really hoping that you know, uh, Michael Keaton would have just a slightly larger part of this movie so it it could justify the Oscar. He was robbed last I, I, year. I know, but, the, but
0: I, I think... The fact is, this is this was the best ensemble. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there. I mean, it's going to be weird if Keaton and probably Ruffalo will g- get nominated. Ruffalo probably has a better shot at getting right. the nomination, but I I feel that it, it's like Glenn Close getting the only nomination for The Big Chill. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of not fair, but this is a true. True ensemble with Rachel McAdams, with Liev Schreiber, with John Slattery. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen these characters. We've seen stories about journalism hundreds of times, especially those of us who have journalism degrees. And uh, you know, and we've seen these characters: the hot-headed reporter, the cool editor, the you know, the the publisher, the managing editor, and uh, those characters here, and they're all subtly played there is not a right. there you know there are dust ups in the newsroom there are arguments but they're not, they don't feel like they're begging for rewards it is an argument that happens because it's about the process of getting the story
1: it's absolutely one of those movies where you forget that you're watching actors after a while
0: yep yeah, especially especially when you have the likes of Keaton slattery mm-hmm. and and of course Rachel McAdams also a correspondent uh, also yes. a subject of your correspondence here um, and as John Krull made a point of saying they got the clothes right on this one too <laughs> it, we wish we uh, all reporters think they look like Robert Redford and all the president's men we don't no, no we don't not even close nope. <laughs> so yeah I'm taking a drink of water during the show um so anyway that's that's my top ten um, I only have a worse five because, uh, again, I thank Ed Johnson after this. I don't need to have a worst 10. I don't have time for that. I I, I watch Lions football. Don't I suffer enough? Uh, So anyway, these are the the, number five, Aloha. Yeah. Cameron Crowe's latest good-looking guy gets shot at redemption, only this time it's Bradley Cooper, and everyone's favorite part Asian actress, Emma Stone. Who? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Number four, I can't believe I watched Fifty Shades of Grey, but I did...
1: Haven't quite gotten to that one yet, even with it uh, on cable.
0: I was saying, the mom's not interested in that at all? She
1: is. <laughs> but it's one of those movies that I don't know that I would feel comfortable watching it with her, you know?
0: That's uh, your household, so... Yeah, no. um, just yeah. from what I've heard of it. It's I mean, just, I haven't seen well, it it's hmm, it's suburban mom porn. I mean, it really <laughs> is, and it's but it's just a, it's so badly written, and the dialogue is awful, and... Mm.
1: Uh, so okay. I, was it, he or was he not your Christian?
0: I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, I I never read the book. I don't know. I have one Christian. He's Slater. No, I would say no. He's <laughs> not that. And and uh, you know, I guess if you if you don't want to Google image Dakota Johnson, you can watch this. So, okay, all
1: of you listeners out there who who have read the book, email Matt. Oh, don't do that. And don't. Just, say, just say my Christian or not my Christian. We'll see, this, where, we, this, see what kind this, of response.
0: This is so eight months ago. <laughs>
1: well, this is what promo guys do, keep things fresh.
0: Oh, great. Thank you. So that's number four. Number three, and this could have been, number, my number three could have been my number one, and I'll explain why. The, uh, the really not funny spy comedy, Mordecai, mm. with Johnny Depp and his ridiculous mustache. And you have Rose Byrne, who's always fun. Gwyneth Paltrow is fine. Paul Bettany almost made me laugh playing Depp's uh, kind of lunk headed manservant who's also a stud. And it was just he was really entertaining as far as playing the the kind of man Friday, the manservant who's supposed to help out the, right. the you know the hero who's who's kind of a, a dunderhead. And Ewan McGregor's in this film as well, not a dunderhead. So Johnny
1: Depp's string continues. Uh,
0: well Black Mass. I mean okay. and okay. and there was such a high hope for Black Mass. He's really good in it and I wondered maybe if it was released in December, if there would be stronger or consideration for Depp. But I think it's kind of like, if you remember Sly doing uh, Copland, mm-hmm. where he was just just in, for years doing bad stuff, and then finally something of note. And that's kind of what I feel like uh, for Depp mm. with, uh, with Black Mass. So, uh, again, I don't think he's going to get a nomination, but it
1: is his best performance in a long time. But bottom line, if you want to see Rose Byrne in a funny spy movie, go see Spy. spy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that. That one was less uh, Melissa McCarthy fall down, go boom. There's still some of that, but but uh, not as much as say Tammy.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but yeah, you're right on Rose Byrne. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, Paul Bettany made me smirk. Didn't make me laugh, but he almost and 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 that's a reaction in a comedy. So so, thanks, Paul. You could have been in the worst film of the year, but you're not. Uh, <laughs> number two, the non-erotic thriller, The Boy Next Door, mm. with Jennifer Lopez, trying to make uh, one of those steamy, sexy thrillers from the '90s, like Hand That Rocks the Cradle or Basic Instinct, and um, no,
1: it's just it was one of those movies, right? <laughs> I sat through the trailer and say, "Okay, I now know what's going to happen throughout this entire exactly."
0: Film. Uh, and uh, and if you are into that, I don't know why you would be. And you know, we're still laughing that the 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 char- the title character gives Jennifer Lopez's character a first edition of the Odyssey <laughs> as a gift. Think about that. Yeah, nah, not really. And <laughs> would be it would be a scroll, but yeah. So that's. <laughs> Even if they were, I would say, even if they were doing a parody of the erotic yeah. thrillers of the '90s, it's just no, no, no. And my my number one film, the film, uh, the worst film of 2015, and I'm sure there's a lot worse out there, but this is what crossed my path. Uh, the really not funny girl, uh, girl crime drama com- comedy, I should say, Hot Pursuit. Reese Witherspoon and Sofia yeah. Vergara doing a kind of a female midnight run. I remember watching it and saying it in my initial release, it looked like, remember New World Pictures from the early 80s? Right. It looked like a New World picture with a slightly bigger budget. I mean, just, you know, Reese Witherspoon trying to be a by-the-book, uh, very serious uh, police officer who's transporting the wife of a mo- uh, mobster played by Sofia Vergara, basically louder version of Gloria, sorry. <laughs> um, and, they're, and of course, they're stuck together and they don't like each other, but they are in the title of the film.
1: Um, so, so go ahead and spoil it for me. Are they best friends by the end of it? Sort of. Okay.
0: You know, I th- I think maybe there's enough gray area that they thought they would make another one. God, I hope not. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's I, I could see Reese doing this ten years ago, but this was her follow up to Wild, which I thought yeah. I thought was a great film and you know her best work it, probably since she had won the Oscar for Walk the Line and just. You, you could put anybody. You could just put any two females in this, and it, it would just not be funny at all. Um, it's It was really a bummer, not
1: laughing once. And then she followed that up with a stint on Neil Patrick Harris's show. So. Oh, really? Yeah, she was the guest oh, announcer on the premiere. How'd that go? Oh, it was pretty mundane. Uh-huh. It was. Uh, the, the, the series has been canceled, but uh, he tried to get her involved in sketches, and she was pretty game, but at the end of the day, it was... No. It was, Reese, why are you doing this?
0: Because I asked her. Yeah. It was something slightly different, I guess. Uh, so once again, the Variety Show, not coming back.
1: Not for a while any, yet, anyway. Okay.
0: You know what? Let's uh, let's take a short break. And when we come back after the break, we have dead people we like, because we don't have time for dead people we don't like, two great cinematographers, and two actors known mostly for television, but like famous TV actors. I'd like to find out what films they did throughout their career. So Mike Perry and I will break that down in a little bit. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI, HD to the point, and WFYI.org. Uh,
1: dead people we like.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a pretty big one this we week. We don't yeah.
1: have time for dead people we don't like. Yes.
0: Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msoce at WFYI.org, also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Soce. Hanging out with Mike Perry here. Uh, Kobe might show up. He's still, you know, hope springs eternal. Well, otherwise, we'll try Yeah, Clo- tick Clock's ticking. I know. Uh, but, you know, we talked about the best best and worst of the year. Uh, there's two really good films you should check out in theaters, Revenant and Anomalisa. And uh, yeah, we have dead people we like because we don't have time for dead people we don't like. Two cinematographers of note. And even if you don't know them by name, hopefully you've seen the films that they have been a part of. And then we have two television actors I know uh, that Mr. Perry and I have both grown up watch. We both grew up watching. And of course, they're known uh, for their respected work on CBS. But we're going to f- go through the other things that they did before and after. Sure. So we'll get to that but anyway. And, and I feel bad; I, I, I better late than ever on this one. But uh, cinematographer Haskell Wexler, who, who passed away on December 27th at the age of 93, um, won a, won two Academy Awards for his cinematography. One uh, for black and white, for his ni- the 1966 film "Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf." Mm-hmm. And then in 1976, for color, for the uh, for the biopic Bound for Glory, nice. David Carradine is Woody Guthrie. Uh, just going through some of the films that he's done, and and I, I grew up with a lot of these uh, films, like The Savage Eye from 1960, The Fisherman and His Soul, Angel Baby from 1961, Burt Reynolds' first film. <laughs> and as the only thing he has to recollect about that was he was beat up by George Hamilton's character, and he goes, "That tells you a lot." <laughs> Uh, 1963 was director of photography on Elia Kazan's America, America. Uh, the Best Man from 1964. Uh, we already talked about who's rated Virginia Woolf. Also did the 1967 In the Heat of the Night. The original 1968 The Thomas Crown Affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, the John Cassavetes film Faces that uh, I believe got an Oscar nomination for Seymour Cassell mm-hmm. and uh, introduced a lot of people to him as well as uh, Jenna Rollins. Um Medium Cool, the film that he directed in 1969 with Robert Forrester that used actual footage from the riots at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago back in 1968. Um, the Conversation, uncredited, uh, with the, that that's of course, the uh, Gene Francis Ford Coppola, yeah. uh, was director of photography for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975. Uh, Bound for Glory, of course, he won the Oscar. Uh, Coming Home. With uh, John Voigt, Jane Fonda, and Bruce Dern, um, the document the concert documentary "No Nukes" great film. Lots of footage of from the likes of Jackson Brown, Bruce Springsteen, Bonnie Raitt. D- also did the documentary Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. His great comeback from nineteen eighty two, looking to get out. The Hal Ashby film with John Voigt, Burt Young, and Anne Margaret. Uh, the 1983 remake of *The Man Who Loved Women*, starring Burt Reynolds, directed by Blake Edwards. Maytuan, uh the John John Sales film. He also did the Sales film *Limbo*. Um, Colors, the, mm-hmm. the Dennis Hopper film from 1988. Three Fugitives, Nick Nolte and uh, Martin Short in the same picture back in 1989. <laughs> Blaze with Paul Newman and L- yep. Lita Sobieski. I saw that film in Hollywood. And seeing Lolita Davidovich on a giant screen was really cool. Uh um, it is a treat. Uh also o- Other People's Money, Danny DeVito and Penelope mm-hmm. Ann Miller. The Babe, the sad film that John Goodman tried to be Babe Ruth and no. Um, no. The Secret of Ronan-ish, another John Sayles film. Love that movie. That Love is a that wonderful, movie. wonderful picture. I uh, I got to meet Sayles at the Chicago Blues Festival a few years back, and he signed a handful of things. One of them was Rowan ish Oh, wow. Great stuff. Uh, the only feature film from Michael Moore, Canadian Bacon, from mm-hmm. 1995, Mulholland Falls, The Rich oh. Man's Wife. Ooh. Um. Yeah, and then the TV movie "61" that Billy Crystal directed about uh, Maris and Mantle, uh, "Silver City," the other uh, another John Sayles film, but uh, but yeah, quite quite an influential filmmaker. So salute to to Haskell
1: Wexler. Uh, Mulholland the, Falls I'd almost forgotten about that film
0: I remember I, I had one article published in Film Threat Magazine it was an article I did on uh, Fred the Hammer Williamson on the set of Original Gangsters so I got to interview him in Downtown Gary at night <laughs> and that article ran in the same issue that the cover story for that issue was Mulholland Falls and the publisher apparently there was a big clash between the editors of how dare Film Threat put a major studio film on the cover mm. so yeah there's that uh, the other film, uh, film cinematographer, no, Vilmo Sigmund, who died on January the 1st. Um, I love This is one of those guys that he started in just doing s- tiny, tiny cheap films that are more infamous than famous. But I've seen some of these, and, and I'm really glad I actually own these. Um, his third film, and I guess his first feature film as a director of photography, from 1963, the Arch Hall Jr. thriller The Sadist. Arch Hall Jr., of course, son of Arch Hall Sr. This is the kid who starred in Ega and a few other films that his dad produced, and no, just <laughs> no, bad, really bad. Uh, 1964 is The Nasty Rabbit. 1965 is Rat Fink or Rat Finkaboo boo boo if you remember. The... I know this because of the Golden Turkey Awards book. Um, psycho a go from 1965. Um, yeah, and... <laughs> Also the incredibly strange mixed up creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies, also from the late sixties. <laughs> and all of this was and Futz, FUTS is another one I heard. A Satan sadist. He was he was uncredited. But all of this was building up to his first major motion picture of note from 1971, Robert Altman's *McCabe and Mrs. Miller*. Okay. Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, you, cold western.
1: You finally gave me a title I the, recognized because t- recognized, yeah. all
0: these you thought I was just making up words and putting them in title form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, that was that was his first one, and then followed that up with Peter Fonda's film *The Hired Hand* with uh, I believe that was him and Warren Oates. Um, images another. Uh, Altman film from 72. He also did uh, director of photography on Deliverance, so he survived that. Um, The Long Goodbye. Elliot Elliot Gould as Philip Marlowe, also an Altman film. Scarecrow, uh, Gene Hackman and Al Pacino. Cinderella Cinderella Liberty, James Caan as a sailor on leave. Marsha Mason. And Marsha Mason as a prostitute. There you go. Um, The Spielberg film everybody forgets about, The Sugarland Express, with Goldie (laughs) Hawn, William Atherton, and Ben Johnson. Um obsession, that was uh Brian De Palma d- first doing Alfred Hitchcock in nineteen seventy six with um Cliff Robertson and Jean View Bougeau and a young John Lithgow. Um oh yeah, I think you'll know 1977's Close Encounters of the Third, Third kind. kind. Yeah, I, I I've heard of it. Although we've we still make fun of Vilmo's <laughs> well, it's not really his fault, the mountains of Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> As a Ball State grad, thank you. Yeah. It's great to see Richard Dreyfuss in the old Ball State shirt, but there are no <laughs> mountains in Muncie, I assure yeah. you. Uh, his follow-up to that, 1978, The Deer Hunter. Pretty pretty harsh. Uh, so the, it look, look, looks like
1: he hit a groove You, mean, he, you
0: yeah. mean he's no longer doing Rat Finkaboo-Boo and the right. Incredibly Strange Mixed-Up Creatures? Yeah. Um, following us up with a really underrated, almost kind of a cult, dark comedy, Winter Kills. Yeah. With Jeff Bridges, John Houston, uh, Anthony Perkins, it's kind of a kind of an odd send off of the Kennedy assassination and the the paranoid thrillers of the seventies. Um, shot the Rose in nineteen seventy nine. Bette Midler, Midler, so not Janis Joplin. Yeah, just because she <laughs> yeah. was the Pearl, this is the Rose. Right there we go. Um, was a cinematographer on Heaven's Gate, an excellent two hour film that's over three. <laughs> It's true. No, I mean, it's it. No, it's, oh, it's
1: it. It deserved every bit of abuse. It still gets piled on it. But but
0: you know, Criterion put it out, and it's it's yeah. better. It's slightly better. Um Probably my favorite Brian De Palma film from 1981, Blowout. Yeah. If you're gonna if and this was not a rip off of Hitchcock, it was a rip off of uh, Antonioni with Blow Up. But I really really like that film. Nancy, Nancy Allen, Nancy Allen yeah. John Lithgow again, uh, Jinxed, Bette Midler again, working with Don Siegel. I remember that. Table for Five. Yes, Vilmos Zsigmond worked on the film "No Small Affair," John Cryer and oh, and yeah. um, um, oh, Demi Moore. Okay, back when she was young and had a husky voice. <laughs> um, the River, Sissy Spacek, and Mel Gibson yeah. with a southern accent—real genius. He did that. See, was, it's not just here the seventies, early stuff. Yeah, uh, R- Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. Also did uh, Fat Man Little Boy, the Roland Joffé film with Paul Newman, Paul Newman about Newman, the bombs. Yeah. Uh The Two Jakes, the sequel to Chinatown, was director of photography for Bonfire of the Vanities. They're, yeah. they're not
1: all home runs. Right, uh, speaking I'm of, sure he did good work in it. Yep.
0: Speaking of which, Sliver, the erotic thriller that's not <laughs> Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone. Right. Intersection, another Sharon Stone drama, Not Needed. Uh Maverick With uh, the remake remake. or the the well, the the reboot, the Mel Gibson Maverick, even though James Garner's just sitting right over there. Yeah, take notice. Yeah, Um, you know who had a a, a, an unspeak, unspoken cameo in Maverick as one of the card players, William Marshall. Okay, yeah, yep, yep, the lone non-white non-Indian, non-Native American. King of cartoons, William Marshall. black live with William Marshall, yeah. Um, underrated drama directed by Sean Penn starring Jack Nicholson. The Crossing Guard, love The Crossing Guard. David Morse is in that as well. Again, they're not all home runs. The Sylvester Stallone, Antonio Banderas, Julianne Moore action film Assassins, not the Sondheim musical. Um, yeah, he was also director of photography on Kevin Smith's Jersey Girl. <laughs> The Black Dahlia, the latin that was and he also did uh Cassandra's Dream, Melinda Melinda. He worked with Woody Allen a few times. You'll meet a tall dark stranger, also by Allen. Um and as I didn't know this, was the director of photography on of two dozen episodes of the Mindy Project.
1: <laughs> You're kidding. No. Oh,
0: great. So so, there's that. But but thank you, Vilmos. Nice work there. Now there's there's a couple actors that that, that just passed away. Like I said, best known for for TV, right? But it, but I'm always intrigued when they when they pop up in movies. But we'll start with Wayne Rogers, yeah, who we know as Trapper Trapper John Trapper John, and you know love you know the early early silly slapsticky episodes of Mash before it got really serious.
1: Yeah, and while the TV show was still a little bit like the movie, uh,
0: kind of yeah. And uh, you know Rogers, I think. Now, looking back in hindsight, did the right thing. Yeah. When he found out that the scripts weren't going to be all centered around him and wasn't getting as paid as much as Alan Alda, left the series. And people thought that was suicide. It was Shelley Long, even before Shelley Long. And uh, But he survived it. Boy, did he survive it.
1: No, he, had, he had at least two more series after He that. did House Calls. I remember House, house Calls. House Calls. And another um, where he played a... a, a uh, like a, f- a 30s or 40s L.A. private eye. Yes. City of Angels. Okay. City of, yeah. And, uh, but, and, and Elaine Joyce were, were in that. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: And But yeah, he, of course, wound up making much more money. Uh, in, in, in the real fight, estate. In real yeah. estate. It's like Gabe Kaplan, who just quit show business because he made more money playing cards. Yeah. So, Why not? So anyway, okay. I was going through some of his stuff, and I'm like, oh, I know something. I didn't know this. He He did the screenplay for the 1968 film The Astro Zombies. Which is another title I learned from the Golden Turkey Awards book. If you ever find this by Michael and Harry Medved, yeah, yeah, it's something from the Medveds that I endorse. Um, but anyway, he also did was a writer of 1964's Dr. Sex. I don't know. But apparently he's credited as Juan Rogers, according to IMDb. <laughs> but no, he, he played, of course, Soldier in Bar in the 1959 crime drama Odds Against Tomorrow. I believe that was with Sidney Poitier. Um, let's see a lot of TV of course One of Dead or Alive Stagecoach West um, Dr. Sex where he's listed as as uncredited as Raincoat Man Um, The Glory Guys the first film I remember seeing him in I forgot well besides Chamber of Horrors which I believe was the film that had the horror horn to let you know that something scary was about to happen. But he played Gambler in 1967's Cool Hand Luke. Oh. He was one of the guys. Nice. So, uh also worked with Paul Newman again in WUSA in 1970. Also worked with Newman and Lee, uh, Lee Marvin in Pocket Money, in 1972. Was also in the 72 film uh, Doomsday Machine. Um, the Gig from 1985. Uh, Once in Paris from 1978. Um, You know, and, and oh, the last major film of the 90s, he had a small part, I believe, one scene in the Rob Reiner film Ghosts of Mississippi okay. back in 1996. Well,
1: in the last TV thing I remember him doing. Uh, I'm sure he did, he did guest spots and a lot of stuff, but uh, he replaced Larry Hagman in, a, in, I in, in an "I Dream movie. of Genie" TV I movie do because Hagman that. was tied up with Dallas and couldn't get free.
0: Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, it was just I just put him in there; it'll be fine. Yeah, and uh, and then we found out this week about comedic actor Pat Harrington Jr., who was, gosh, ninety? No, eighty-six, yeah. eighty-six. A- and the Indianapolis connection is, of course, best known as Schneider from "One Day at a Time," which, which, which was set here. Well, yeah, set yeah. set here, not set shot here, and of course, as usual, not shot here. The,
1: the, they did come to town to shoot some aerials for the opening. Of sequence course, once. they did. Yes, they I, did. And 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 to their credit, especially early on. They would subscribe to the Indianapolis Star, the writers would, so they'd be have it they, this, so they would work in references to to uh, William H. Block when it was still nice and, and whatnot. so they they could at least throw in some references that the locals would recognize,
0: but Sammy Terry wasn 't peeking through Valerie Burton's no. window, no afraid not, no. no, and we won't the less we say about mackenzie's window, the better yeah, afraid so, okay, <laughs> but going back, I mean he goes all the way back to nineteen forty nine as one of the uh Ford theater hour performers. Um, make room for. I forgot he was in Make Room for Daddy, uh, as Pat Hannigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Allen Plymouth Show, Jack Parr Show, uh, 1963, The Wheeler Dealers as as Buddy Zach. Oh yeah, uh, was
1: that the James Garner? I know. Uh, well,
0: I thought the James Garner one was Move Over, Darling. Well, okay. No, I, they might have been both. We will have to check on that. Okay. But yeah, I know one of them. Yeah, one of them was a James Garner comedy. Okay um again a lot of tv i remember him on f troop of course he was the voice of the inspector from the pink panther cartoon series in the 60s um was elvis's sidekick an easy come easy go from 1967 (laughs) the very least guys it's a film that also has pat priest Mm. and it's set from the monsters and set in the sea yeah there's boat shots you're welcome yeah. um two thousand years later from 1969 um the com- of course he was in the computer wore tennis shoes in 1969 because yeah. um if you were uh if you were a comedic actor you had and you did well, tv yeah. you were in a kurt russell disney film um the can- i forgot he was the mc and the candidate from 1972 with robert redford um i i have to tell the story we uh Last night, this is literally last night. Um, I was watching the, there was a PBS series, The Pioneers of Television.
1: Right.
0: And uh, I had been watching a few of those, the miniseries, the superhero ones. And I was watching um, the crime drama. And so they're talking about Dragnet and the Untouchables. And they get into the, the you know, they, start, they get into the Rockford Files and they brought up Columbo. And, and my daughter, 14 year old Emma, loves Columbo. So I mean, we we got hooked. I got her hooked on those when she was about seven or eight, and we watched a slew of them. And uh, we were talking, and they, they had interviews, you know, with Robert Culp and Leonard Nimoy and and uh, um, and Robert Conrad, Robert Conrad, every, by fun, not a fun guy off off screen. <laughs> um, but but they That's talk, right but but he t- he tells the story that Peter Falk, because Robert Conrad played a health uh, health nut who owned a, uh, a chain of, of gymnasiums. And uh, they were supposed to have carrot juice in the scene, and Conrad wanted to have orange juice, and Peter Falk said, no, it's got to be carrot. I need to respond to carrot juice. And I always remember that one particular episode with Robert Conrad is one of my favorites. One, because Conrad gets his one-up, its, of course, but the way Columbo found out. And this is one, without giving away anything, it involves shoelaces. Anyway, <laughs> I, I thought Emma had seen it. She had not. And this is the one, like every other scene, Conrad is giving out health and fitness tips because he's still allowed to be shirtless sure you know then this is a decade after Wild Wild West and those ridiculous pants but Pat Harrington had a small had a supporting role in that particular episode I, I wish I could plan it any better but we did
1: well I, I came across him uh, I, I collect classic commercials on DVDs and if you go online you can find hundreds of, of collections oh yeah and and one of the last ones I got. Had a, a commercial that was shot. I'm guessing in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, that he did for a local brew where they're doing a uh, a, uh, uh, a spoof on the uh, Lawrence Welk show, okay. and he plays the Lawrence Welkish character oh, yeah, in a commercial for how, Rainier Beer. How long ago was this? It was in color, so it had to be at least the 70s. Okay, man.
0: Yeah, working guy. This yeah. this was a guy, I mean, he his last credit is two thousand and twelve. Of course of course he appeared in an episode of Hot in Cleveland. Right. With old friends. But but yeah, working until he was eighty two. Yeah. So we should all be so lucky. Very cool stuff.
1: R.N.P. and P. Slider.
0: Uh, R. Schneider. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I haven't want, eaten yet. and, then, and, and we know Mike Castle's right across we the We know street. what you're gonna want. Okay, yeah.
0: very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um well. Yeah, maybe next week. Besides, Next week we'll talk about the Academy Awards, and then uh, it'll be a month, so if you haven't figured it out by now, I can give you the films that have been registered by the Library of Congress, so the t- Class of 2015 National Film Registry, which includes Ghostbusters, Top Gun, and L.A. Confidential, as well as Edison's Sneeze. So, anyway, pondered that. Mike, always good to have you here.
1: Always nice to be here.
0: Happy New Year. To you, too, sir. uh, Well, I think we're in, yeah, year seven of film sociology. Wow. We never thought we'd be this long. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, words to live by. Silent Green is people! Zardoz has
1: Has spoken.
0: Go see a good movie. You deserve it. There's plenty out there. So until next time, take care. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. Good night, Fort Myers. Good night, California. Good night, Michigan. You want to say good night to any place?
1: Uh, good night, Fishers.
0: <laughs> and and to my cast and crew of Henry V, once more upon the breach, beer friends once more. So long, everybody.